Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, episode 114, the Windows 8 show, recorded November 26th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. Element OP. Yes, my friends, it has come. It is here. It is actually the Windows 8 show. After three, count them, three misfires, we are finally here with the Windows 8 show. And there was much rejoicing. Yay! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) And with us here to to expound upon the the Windows 8 greatness, uh, we have um, a returning guest, whom you may know as uh, Corey TK, uh, Mr. Corey Knapp, or Port Corey, as he's known on Twitter. Uh, welcome back, Corey. How, th- how are things going for you? Very good. Excellent. Glad to be back. So Corey was here for a listener spotlight, and he's been on the periodic table, if you listen to that one, Thursday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern, um, a number of times. So he's, he's sort of an honorary member of the Element OP family. So welcome back, Corey. And the new Thanks. new face among us is Mr. Robert Williams. Hi, Robert. How's it going? Um, I'll have to go ahead and apologize for uh, last week. I got I got spanked for not you know making it on time. So uh, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, what happens in your bedroom is none of our business, Robert. <laughs> and of course, the stalwart, the ever punctual, Sean Keibel is with us tonight. Hi, Sean. I, I'm, I'm good, although I think there must be something wrong with me. I was actually on time tonight. Well, relatively speaking. Uh, sure. <laughs> there's Kybel time, and then there's real time. <laughs> you, you, were, we, you were within the window of on time. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Take what you can get, man. <laughs> so in case you didn't notice, we didn't do a show last week uh, because it was... Um, no, wait, we did do a show last week. Never mind. This is the one show we did actually do last week. Yeah. But but people were surprised to hear that show. No, wait, did we? I can't remember. Did we do that show last week or not? We did. We did. We, we did. did. Chromebook. We did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, because we, we've, we, 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 my schedule is nuts. Holidays mess everything up for me. Uh, so anyway, my, the transition I was trying to make was it was Thanksgiving. So, happy day after Thanksgiving. Happy Cyber Monday uh, to you all. Uh, last night on whatever the Sunday is, Super Cyber Sunday, uh, whatever that is, my wife was trying to order some uh, Christmas presents online. And from the time she uh, put the items in her shopping cart to the time she clicked order, three of the 11 items she ordered were out of stock. <laughs> that's uh wow. that's how crazy things are uh the I, re- I heard today on the radio that this uh um several of the top marketing websites were uh between 100 and 300 percent of their normal traffic this weekend so it seems that the at least in terms of online purchasing the recession may in fact be ending good yay <laughs> did, did any of you guys do anything noteworthy other than eat far too much for thanksgiving no, I couldn't even find any good deals for the. I couldn't even find any really good tech things. Really, I looked around Cyber, you know, Black Friday, whatever Cyber Monday today. I didn't see anything that was. I don't know. I bought some memory and a couple of an SSD or two, but I didn't see anything that was really outrageously. Uh, you know, something I wanted to pick up. Nothing crazy. Are you was- kidding me? Apple had huge discounts this week. This, but, but enormous sale was thirty dollars off a MacBook Pro. 
<laughs> Unbelievable. That was they were really burning the barn for Cyber Monday. <laughs> you know, Mark, I was uh, I was perusing. Uh, I think it, I don't know. It was MSN.com or something, and they had one of their articles was uh, the top twelve geeky gifts for the season or whatever. And I was completely unimpressed across the board. I mean, it was like, you know, the Kindle and uh, the iPad mini. And it was like, you know, things we already knew about, really. Uh, it's, you know, cell phones and, and the like. But there wasn't anything really all that exciting. Well, it just goes to show that we're, we, are, we have reached a point in those devices where they have matured. There are no breakthroughs. Now it's just a, a race to the bottom in terms of pricing. How cheap right. can you get it? Right, and, uh, you know, you know the economy is rough when Apple is offering discounts. <laughs> yeah, like that. that's a good one. We'll use that tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Well, without to pay for the uh, the new Steve Jobs mausoleum, <laughs> <laughs> it's shaped like a spaceship, isn't it? Right. Hey, hey, Mark. Uh, I'm going to uh, step away for just a second. I need to plug in one of my computers that's not plugged in. It's going to die on me if I don't do so. So. <laughs> All right. Just carry on. I'll be right back. All right. Uh, well, uh, Sean uh, put out a call for anybody with any experience with Windows 8 because he and I pretty much have none. And I, I, Other than the annoying ads on television, I have never seen Windows 8. I haven't even used it. I was uh, We were talking a little bit before the show. Um, you know, with the Windows 7 beta, uh, Sean and I both were in early, early, early on in that beta, long before it was uh, a generally uh, public beta. And, and uh, we were both uh, uh, heavily involved with that, and uh, I beta tested some uh, uh, some other stuff. Uh, Windows uh, Vista, I beta tested. Yeah, um, I'm not proud of that. Uh, but uh, uh, but with Windows 8, I've had the opportunity. You know, I still I'm still in those circles. People have offered me uh, copies of it, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm not really all that interested. I'm just I'm not impressed. So maybe maybe tonight, Robert and Corey can uh, put their collective uh, brain power together and convince me that Windows 8 is worth trying. Uh, but before we get too far in, uh, guys, uh, for the, the uh, benefit of our audience, tell us a little bit about yourselves. What, uh, who are you? What do you do? And uh, what is your expertise? We'll start with you, Robert. Oh, all right. Um, well, I just got out of college here uh, recently from University of South Carolina. Um, actually in exercise science, um, hoping to go into physical therapy at some point, um, probably years down the road when I recuperate from some of those college expenses. Um, but I started working on computers, oh man, the second, second year sophomore in college, uh, just doing like, you know, computer repair just for friends, family, and then it picked up and neighbors and now it's random people throughout like the city that call me up hey i heard you can fix computers so do this that and the other so i started doing it and uh now i'm just uh i call myself the above average tech and um just you know making a little side money doing that and i've put let's see three i put on three systems now people wanting windows 8 um so i put it on three different uh, three different systems and try and tutor them on how to use it. And uh, so I haven't really done a huge deep dive. I'm not an expert by any means on Windows 8, but uh, I can give you a, a little above average view on how it works and what to do with it and, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, hopefully I can add a little bit to this 
We'll make it. Uh, I can make about twenty minutes instead of thirty minutes of a show for you. <laughs> well, that's good because you'll you'll be raising the bar because we strive for mediocre uh, <laughs> all, all along the way. So if you're above average, then you're you'll be blowing the curve. Uh, so Corey, uh, reintroduce yourself to our audience uh, in uh, you know in forty five seconds or less. All right. Well, my name is Corey Knapp. I'm a uh, PC tech. I have my own business here in uh, Port Jervis, New York. I do computer repair and um, been messing with Windows 8 since the, what was it, the pre the preview or the RC, whatever it was, the preview, I guess it was, and um, have been using it now, installed it for a couple customers and installed it on a bunch of my computers here with different drivers, and I can definitely uh, give a nice overview for everybody. Great. So, uh Let's just dive right into that. Um, we'll, we'll do this round robin style. We'll start with you, uh, Robert, and then we'll we'll go to Corey. Just tell us a little bit. Um, give us your first impression of Windows Eight, the the the, the forty thousand foot view as it is. What what is different about it? I mean, obviously, there's um, a much more touch centric interface. Uh, the whole start menu thing or start screen is a big thing. Uh, so, just give us your your first impressions. Robert of, of Windows 8. Well, I, th I think you you nailed it. I mean, it's this is definitely Microsoft's move to the uh, tablet sphere. Um, it's very very centered on touch and um, being able to take Windows with you everywhere. I mean, to the point where you can put your if you have a certain version of Windows, you can have your Windows operating system on a stick and take it with you wherever you go. Um, kind of like Linux, like you have a, you can have a live Linux disk where you can kind of take Windows and make it a live system image and take it wherever you go. And so I think it's more, this is their idea of making Windows more portable and um, more featured towards, like you said, tablets. But the Windows 7 core is still there for those um, who want the Windows 7 feel. Um, it's just kind of hidden and you kind of have to, you know, dig for it. But it's... It's still alive and well in there. and uh, So my first impressions are, I mean, it's just a new layout you kind of have to get used to. And I really think that um, they're, Microsoft's devoted to this um, ecosystem so or setup. So, I mean, uh, I guess it's just a way of learning it. And it doesn't take that long to learn it. It's just different. So, All right, Corey, same question. All right. Well, the first things I noticed about Windows 8, obviously, are – the start screen, which is one of the things that I, I get rid of uh, just myself. I don't care for it. Um, get rid of it by using classic uh, classic shell. Um, let's see what else. Some of the commands, like I mean the what do they call it, the ribbon is all over now in Windows. The win the ribbon is all over, like in Windows Explorer and everything else. So that's um, there. You know, for people that I don't really like it, but if you know the keyboard commands, you can get by and. Other than that, yeah, the Windows 7 stuff is still there. You can go to the desktop. So if you avoid the start menu, really it's kind of Windows 7, I guess, that's, you know, Windows 7 SR2, we want to say it, or like an update. So that's what I'd say about that, I guess. All right, Sean, have you used it at all? No, I haven't. And really, I mean, the only thing, the only things I know about it is, you know, the, the prep that I did for the show and uh, read up on it and, uh, you know, the only thing that really caught me, and I'm kind of curious to ask these guys, is I'm I kept seeing everywhere, and I hadn't heard this before, that it it should be called Window Eight and not Windows Eight because you can only have one 
like one window at a time open and ah. to me that's just a killer i mean is that is that something you can bypass or is that is that just something that is you have to learn to live with well uh i'll go ahead and say there's a trick and i, I know that Corey knows about this too is that you can snap two apps you can well you have to it depends on your display size um i can't remember the exact display dimensions but if you have a the bigger display dimension you can actually snap two apps side by side um say you can have the desktop snapped and then the main screen have the calendar app or the uh mail app or whatever or you can vice versa that and you can switch with um keyboard hotkeys in between those two apps um so so you see sean it's not a unitasker you can do two things (laughs) <laughs> well you know but right i mean mark you know i mean when you're a system admin you might have uh, who eight ten windows open at the same time yeah well and that's one of the things i like about the the new modern large uh form factor 16 by 9 screens is i don't need a firefox window that's you know 2048 pixels wide so i shrink that down and i put another window off to the side of that and maybe maybe another window in the corner of that and and can monitor things but you know again i recognize that we are fringe cases the the average mom and pop user the average college student only does one thing at a time you know maybe two they may switch uh and in this world of mobile computing the ipad um um and and devices like it people are getting used to that even apple in their latest os um is making apps full screen um it's it's the 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 phrase i coined some time back is the tabletification of the os we're making every os uh as if it were a tablet whether or not you run it on a tablet and personally i don't like it but i'm 40 years old now so it's time to become an old fuddy-duddy so i'm just settling in i'm putting my grumpy pants on i'm gonna sit on my porch and tell people to get off my lawn um i just it's it's time for that to go uh to to happen well you know mark i always thought it was funny when uh when windows 7 came out and microsoft was doing their marketing for it and they were really uh honing in on that you know where you could snap things to the right, right or left side and i always thought that was kind of funny anyways because the average user with a, a normal size screen is not going to do that regardless they're going to full screen whatever they have and they may have two or three two or three things running at the same time, but it's like they full screen one, then they bring that down, full screen the other, and they they do more of that kind of app switching. Um, so I always thought that was kind of funny, but, uh, and I know that's, like you said, Mark, I mean, that's probably 95% of the world or better uh, is going to operate like that. So maybe this it's not as big a deal, but for me, I mean, it's just, it, it, it's a killer. I guess it's, it's almost a non-starter, but, you know, it puts me in the funny situation of, uh, and Mark, I know you felt the same way as if we were going to bring the whole organization up to a new version of the OS, well, then we needed to be there too, so that we were operating in the same environment. And I don't know if I could do that. I mean, if I took the organization to windows eight, I, I don't see how I could possibly get by doing my job, uh, operating in that environment. I mean, I'm running quad monitors. because i have that many things open all at the same time i mean uh so uh i I don't i just don't know how that works so there you guys there's no way to really get around that other than uh like you said robert i think that's only now i don't know because i use alt tab to go through all the programs but i think that was only in the met i think now i think that was only in the met you ran 
what do they call them? The Metro app or the? No, you can't call it Metro anymore. No, whatever it's, they call it. It's the Windows it? Eight style app. Style it's not Metro. Yeah. <laughs> what they get sued I, over Metro? Uh, yes, another technology company who owned a copyright or or patent or trademark or whatever on the word Metro uh, said, "No, you can't do that." Well, that's that's the unofficial story. The official Microsoft story is that was always a code name. We were never planning to use it. All you <laughs> tech writers just got crazy and started using it, but we never said it was the Metro interface. It's the Windows Eight interface. Ah, uh, okay. So and and with the whole hybrid thing, I, I, people may not know this. I, we're, we're I'm sort of assuming certain things are common knowledge. Uh, Windows eight um, is there's two flavors of Windows eight. There's the uh, the RT, which is their tablet version, Windows eight RT, which stands for runtime. Clever names, multi billion dollar company, and you can't hire a, uh, somebody to come up with names. So you got Windows eight RT, and then you got Windows eight. Windows 8. So there's Windows 8 and there's Windows 8 RT. Um, and then there's two Windows 8. What's that? There's two Windows 8. Right. And then <laughs> and then there's Windows Phone 8, but we won't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> Microsoft wants to just call it Windows. Uh, but from a, from a developer standpoint, it's a very different environment. That start screen um, is essentially the RT interface. So there's tablet apps there, and you write a totally different code for those apps for those start screen apps than you do for the quote desktop apps so it's it's really a schizophrenic os um at its core there's uh from a from a developer standpoint you're having to sort of write two different versions like for example uh, internet explorer 10 there are two versions of internet internet explorer 10 that come with windows 8 there's the 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 quote metro it's not metro the non-metro uh interface the the start screen version and then there's the desktop version and there it's two different code bases there's different functionality between the two of them uh and if you have a, a website open in one in the in the start screen interface and then you switch over to the desktop it is completely unaware of what the start screen version is doing this is my understanding of it. Again, I haven't used it. This is just me reading blogs and listening to to uh, other podcasts and things like that. So it's it's really a um, a confusing sort of thing. Uh, but Microsoft is touting its simplicity, um, and I need you guys to set me straight. First off, uh, are either of you using final release shrink wrap versions, or are you both still using pre release versions? I have I have TechNet, so I'm using the Windows eight. Windows 8 Pro 64 bit. Okay. So you have the actual real version because I know yeah. uh, some of that functionality, like the ability to take the start screen away, was taken out in the final version. So, but somebody obviously has found a hack around that. Yeah. It's the class, it's a classic shell. It's called Classic Shell. It's SourceForge project. If you just Google it or I can send you the link, but it, uh, it works good for me. I mean, I like it. I think it's great, actually. It just replaces. It takes you hit the Windows key and you got like programs there. You have your programs back, shut down, everything is back. The, it's not there at all. Now, just to 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 put this out there because we'll we'll go on and forget to mention it. Uh, Corey is is sightless, so he uses everything through a screen reader. So uh, when he says it looks the same, he's sort of being euphemistic there. He he doesn't know what it actually looks like, but he know he knows that it functions to him. Like the Windows Seven interface, so I'm interested to to uh, to hear about your um, experiences with your assistive devices 
because typically tabletized type interfaces aren't good uh, for assistive technologies. What, what's your experience been there? Well, yeah, I mean, with the with the new start menu, the, the new start menu or whatever you want to call it, the start screen. Um, the problem is that all the apps, like, so you have your it has it has um, what does it say? It has like mail, and it has there's like columns going up and down. So there's like maybe five col- five rows and columns. It's like you don't know. Sometimes you'll go into mail, or you'll try to do something, and it just stops talking, or it doesn't, or the computer doesn't say where you don't know where you are like in the menus you you don't know if you have to up and down arrow or do i go right or left do i go right or left it kind of you're like in nowhere i don't know how to explain but you're you don't know really what to do it's not like a traditional menu it doesn't wrap around so when you get to the bottom you you have to go all the way back up to the top of the menu to go to the next you know column like if you're an excel or a spreadsheet or something you kind of go back up and then so it's a weird definitely a learning curve and a lot of the apps don't even work. Those new apps don't really work good screeners anyway. So that's my, uh, what I've so far and the store is a whole different thing. <laughs> well, and that's another thing you mentioned Excel, the, 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 the office app is another one of those things where there are two versions in the same operating system. So there's the, there's the start screen, the, the, the not Metro version. And then there's the desktop version with different functionalities different um uh identities it's like a split personality operating system um and Corey, are you saying that uh that one version works better with your screener with another with a, than another or that neither of them are working well for you um actually the the free uh the free screener i use actually nvda works better than the paid jaws that i use so that's kind of it, it it works better. The free one NVDA works better on the start screen than JAWS. So it kind of works, but not ideal to where I thought it was useful for me, like the weather and all that other stuff. It doesn't seem to work consistently more than not. It takes me longer to get the information I want. So that's why I opted to turn it off for myself. Yeah. And I'm sure that's one of the things that enterprise people are, if, if I were still an, an IT guy in enterprise, that's the first thing I would do is if I'm going to roll this out, I'm going to disable the start screen and make it go away. Um, and then I essentially have Windows 7, kind of. Yes. Now, uh, I'm, I'm curious, and I haven't heard a lot of grumbling about this, so I'm, I'm guessing I kind of already know the answer, but uh, as far as backwards compatibility, I mean, uh, are all of your uh, applications you used in Windows 7, are they all working fine in Windows 8? And that's, I guess, directed at both of you. Go ahead, yeah, Robert. I haven't. Oh. Robert, you start. Um, from what I've read and what I've done, um, I don't see any conflicts at all. Um, it seems to be running the same. Um, like so, there. Like like you said earlier, what we were touching on earlier, anything that would run in the Windows Seven will run in Windows Eight on the desktop interface, um, and will make a little live tile for itself. I think on most of them, make a little live tile for themselves on the start screen. But it will take you if you click on the the live tile, it'll take you to the the desktop interface and open it up like Google Chrome. Um, so I, I I haven't heard about any major issues. Um, every now and then there's like a driver thing that comes up that goes away relatively quickly. So uh, I mean, pretty much a, a good um, good crossover there. All right, Corey. 
yeah, I haven't had any problems with any applications and I, and I typically have a lot of applications. I, mean, I installed probably like 100 or 90 applications on my main system, and I tried everything. I haven't had a single problem with any applications. All right. And so are you having to use Windows 8 versions or just the same old apps out of your same old repositories and it just it just works? Yeah, the same the same apps. I mean, if there's a newer version, it might say, you know, we now support Windows 8, but I I haven't, you know, had any like, a, like FileZilla. I used that today and I was fine. Firefox seems fine. I mean, I haven't seen anything at all, you know, Windows 8 specific, just the same versions. And good. That's a that's comforting for an enterprise user to hear. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know especially in uh, in the education environment, uh, and it's it's worse as you get down. I think into the the, the lower grade levels, uh, they're real heavy on horribly designed uh, <laughs> cheap apps. But but either way, they're there. And of course, then uh, you know you go on up to the high school level. There's fewer applications they're using, but they're they're usually higher end applications. Um, but some of that is, you know, I mean, they'll just, they would rather not have a computer if they couldn't have some of those apps, it would seem. So, uh, that's good. Uh, either of you had any experience using it in, in like an enterprise environment? I mean, as far as active, you know, working with Active Directory or, uh, you know, any, any of those types of things? No, I haven't. I've just installed it on machines here. I don't, here I've installed it. I've installed it on like ten ten machines in my house that I have. So I'm mean, not even run out directory. Holy but crap! You have ten computers at your house. I have I have sixteen actually. Wow! <laughs> wow. It's a supercomputer in his house. So you are an enterprise user. It's the yeah. enterprise of Corey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just don't have back directory or anything running. But I so driver support seems good too, as far as I can tell. So Corey, do you use the uh, do you use the storage pools option in Windows eight to with any of those? No, I haven't messed with that yet. I haven't. And storage pools, in case you don't know, it's a in a, it's an extension of the libraries function that was in Windows seven, uh, where your your music or whatever it didn't matter where it was, it was just in this library. They've extended that to a pool that can exist on any number of different hard drives and it doesn't care if uh, all the different uh, correct me if i'm wrong guys uh, all the the you can say this type of content my mp3s are going to be a pool and it doesn't really matter where they are they're going to show up on all the machines in the same interface as if they were in one place exactly that's the idea now you can uh, Mark- also mirror those and um and if you were to detach that drive, let's say you have a laptop and you take that laptop off the off the pool and go somewhere, do something, come back, it automatically syncs all that back across to the pool. So it's a kind of a portable thing. Well, and just to just to correct you there, it's not syncing. It's not making copies across the network. It's just right, making right. the files available. Right, correct, correct. Because yeah. yeah, like it would be awesome if it did pool, sync. Like a shared pool of pointers really is right. what it is. Um, now... Is that something, I mean, you know, I'm sure everybody's kind of familiar with the, uh, you know, when you set up like a Windows Home network, right, and you, you set up all of your computers on the same network. Is it similar to doing that? Is that what you're having to do to configure that? Or they don't just like auto-discover each other, right? 
No, from what, I, from what I've heard is, uh, like, say you have uh, uh, two external hard drives or, um, like, a two two terabyte hard drives where you can plug them into one computer and say, okay, make a pool out of these two hard drives, and it says it acts like that. those two hard drives are one hard drive, and then you can make that available to other PCs on your home group to be able to store that to, correct? Is that, is that, is that right? Yeah, that's exactly yeah, that's what it does, and and if you do it, it will then it will show up um, as a drive. It will show up in com- in computer as a drive as as like a shared network drives now automatically show up there too. Because I use a NAS, so but I noticed too with my NAS that my uh, I was just in computer before, and I was like, oh, it said music, and I go, oh, yeah, there's all my music on the NAS. I could. So that's kind of a not that it's a you know it's kind of a cool thing. No, at least it's there. At least you don't have to go and find it now. I mean, it wasn't a big deal, but something at least what i wonder is how or if that works in an in an uh, uh an active directory environment or is that strictly a home networking feature it really seems like a home networking feature uh, yeah, i think uh, so but you know there are there like in windows 7 and 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 vista and, and and life before that there are certain features that just turn off once you join a domain and other features that turn on that just aren't available uh, if you're not in a domain and vice versa um, like for example, fast user switching, uh, in windows Vista and, and NT before would just, when you joined a domain, they just went away, you know, you couldn't do it anymore. Uh, so, uh, I just wonder about the, um, the, uh, pooling thing. I, I, it really sounds like a home network thing, but since you guys don't have any experience in the enterprise, you can't really answer that. Yeah, I was I was just thinking about that, and I'm, I'm guessing that got to be something that's just turned off in the in uh, in the enterprise version, uh, because it seems to me that if you were in the enterprise, you'd want to turn it off anyway if it was turned on. I mean, well, you know, you- it seems to me like I would want to turn off all of the Windows 8 functions <laughs> if it was in the enterprise. Just turn them all off and right. go back to Windows 7. Right. Yeah, which makes uh, you know a really good point, and I think you see, uh, you know, I I know I saw it uh, out there uh, drudging across the internet. Is that most enterprise guys seem to be of the same opinion? Is I don't want to go there. Yeah, well, we we're all by nature uh, creatures of habit, and and you know, there most enterprises are just now moving to Windows Seven from right. XP. They skipped Vista entirely. Uh, and there, I, I read a, a recent uh, survey that said seventy uh, percent of businesses have begun the migration to Windows Seven. That doesn't mean that seventy percent of the computers in the world are Windows Seven. That means seventy percent of of businesses have begun thinking about okay, it's about time to get off of XP. Um, yeah, and for some large entities, I mean that that's just it, Mark. Like you said, I mean that can be a twelve to eighteen month process. At least, yeah. I mean, with all the all the planning that has to go into place and everything, so uh, yeah, I mean, you hit it, uh, hit the nail right on the head there. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, is that the cycle we're going to now? Is that what Microsoft is doing? Is uh, they're going to come out with something that's good for enterprise, and then the next version will be the the shot at the consumer, the home consumer. And then the enterprise guys will just skip that one and move on to the next one, which will be a little bit, you know, more tailored to the enterprise again. It'll be like Star Trek movies. Every other one will suck. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, there's even talk. There's even talk about there being an up, like another version, going to a yearly, uh, yearly release uh, cycle. Yeah, Microsoft has been making noise about that forever. They want you to not buy software. They want you to subscribe to yeah, to, uh, to software. You know, and and um, and enterprises certainly in education, that that model is really what they're pushing and what people are getting onto the the the. Um, software assurance where you just yeah. pay a, an annual fee to get whatever you want uh and it makes a lot of sense in some areas and it and you know it doesn't in others um i as as the the tightwad in chief i struggled with making that work for a very long time until microsoft basically cut their prices by like 75 percent and then it was like oh, okay now it makes sense to me um so i think i think that's the the, the kind of stuff that you're going to see is they're they're going to have to be really aggressive in certain sectors, and then they'll get that sector on board. Uh, but if they continue this um, personalized uh, versioning, you know, where they're move, trying to, trying to make things more personal and less corporate, you know, uh, corporate entities are are going to be less interested in it. But where are they going to go? You you can't go to 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 Apple because they're doing the same thing. You can't even go to Linux. Because the the latest Linux desktops are doing the same thing, so it's it's kind of a situation where um, enterprise guys over the next five years are going to have to totally redefine the way we do things. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent commentary, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one thing we haven't touched on, and I know both of these gentlemen uh, listed it in their uh, their show notes, is let's talk about the apps because i'm really curious i'm sure this has to do with the uh not metro interface <laughs> i guess is what we're talking about kind of goes back to what you were saying mark about two different versions of apps so uh let's talk about working with apps and uh, i guess they they've got their own app store uh a la uh itunes and the android uh what google play Wait, before, before we go there sean we got to read a couple of these great quotes that you put in the notes. Um, yes. Uh, Jacob Nielsen uh, said, quote, Windows 8 on mobile devices and tablets is akin to Dr. Jekyll, a tortured soul hoping for redemption. On a regular PC, Windows 8 is Mr. Hyde, a monster that terrorizes poor office workers and strangles their productivity. <laughs> uh, and so Jacob Nielsen is a usability expert. So basically he says it fails on both fronts. So now yeah. you can go ahead and talk about apps. I just, uh, but, but by the way, Johnny Ives, who designed all the Apple stuff, um, now I think works for Nokia. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, he, he had good things to say about it, right? right? Yeah, he 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 was very fond of it. But if I'm right in remembering that he now works for Nokia, Nokia is in bed with Microsoft in a big way. So it, it's kind of in his best interest to like it. Uh, but but he said the interface is is very beautiful. Uh, he didn't necessarily say it was very functional. Uh, and we haven't talked about that. We'll we'll go on uh, a little bit later. But I want to talk about how it it is an entirely different OS. It really isn't a ripoff of anything else, including their own stuff, uh, the the RT version. But uh, but first, let's let's guys let's talk about apps. What are you, uh, Robert? What has been your experience with the the apps, not the programs, but the apps? Um, okay, so the function functionality of apps is what you're you're looking for. Right. Um, well, just yeah, the, the overall gestalt. What 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 is uh, your thoughts and feelings about it? How does it well, make you feel, um, Robert? <laughs> to to uh, to 
I guess um, first thing I would say is that they're, the the cool thing about these, the, probably the best part about these apps is um, they have rules associated with these apps. When you get them from the um, from the Windows Store, they they have to abide by a certain set of rules. Um, you know, a, a one of which is probably the best feature is that they have to start up within five seconds um, and then wake up from sleep within three seconds. So, I mean, these apps are fast. Um, they're designed to be uh, very... Uh, very quick at doing what they do and um, um, you can also group them so if you have a, a set of apps that you uh, set aside for I don't know TV watching or media you can group those on your start screen um, your games you can group those um, you can position the tiles in certain ways so that if you hit um, you know Windows 1 or Windows 2 it goes straight to that app or uh, for me for my workaround of getting around the start screen I'll position the desktop um, live tile in the first position. So when my start screen shows up, I just hit enter and it goes straight to my desktop. I, don't, I mean, I barely see the start screen. I just hit enter and it goes straight there. So, um, um, I mean, there's uh, plenty of other things. I think they're trying to merge. Um, they're trying to do the Apple App Store thing and the Windows desktop, like in the same thing. And I think it's just, it's kind of overwhelming for somebody just getting into, you know, just switching over and like, what, what, what am I, what, what, what do I do here? And so, um, there's a lot of functionality with these, uh, being able to move them around and make them smaller, make them bigger. Um, they update themselves. You can put them on the, um, you can have some of them on the lock screen update themselves so that you can see like, like on your calendar app, you can have the calendar on your lock screen and it show the the next appointment or whatever. And, um, I mean, there's just so much to say about them. Um, I mean, well, I, I have a question for you. Um, uh, what is that ecosystem like? I mean, you know, we have two other app marketplaces, right? That most people deal with uh, in iTunes or in uh, Google, the Google Play Store. Uh, and these have been around for a while. I mean, there's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of apps and everything. So pretty much it's like, you know, whatever your interest is, there's something out there that does it, usually several things out there that does it. And uh, so there's just a, a great wealth of apps. Now, there, some are good and some are bad. But uh, it just seems to me like uh, this being such a late comer to the game that there wouldn't be a very robust uh, marketplace for the apps is that the case? Well, I think they just they just uh, said that with the news yesterday they had twenty thousand they broke the twenty thousand app barrier. Woo! Um, so. right, well, let me let me weigh in on the whole number of apps things. If you take <laughs> away the fart apps and flashlights, the Apple yeah. App Store is right around twenty thousand. Yeah. So you know, uh, it's not how many apps you have; it's how many apps are that are actually functional and useful. Quality, right? Yeah, quality and. Well, you know, I, I I I have to differ a little bit from that, though. I mean, just, I mean, you're right. You can search for a flashlight app, and you're going to find 50 different flashlight apps. But, um, but there certainly is a difference there. I mean, I noticed a difference between the iTunes App Store and the Google uh, App Store um, early on. Now, I've seen the gap close, but there is there is quite a difference there. I mean, you know, depending on what it is that you're looking for. Um, 
just by virtue of the sheer numbers, you you end up, I guess, being a little bit more likely to find what you're looking for. Um, and even in, let's say, uh, another crowded market would be like organizer apps, right? Apps that somehow or another organize your life and uh, help you manage tasks or keep notes or whatever. Well, there's a ton of those. But what I've found is that it, that actually you know, is a good thing because people have a tendency to want to do those things differently. So where I might like a particular app for doing that type of thing, uh, it may not work for you. But the fact that there's 20 of them means that, you know, you're more likely to find something that works the way you want it to work. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm just curious, uh, is this the Microsoft App Store uh, and, and it's 20,000 apps? Uh, do you, you Do you still find that there's stuff lacking there? For me personally, um, uh, I'm not sure about Corey. He might do more business side of this, but for for the for me, um, these apps uh, pretty much they've kind of ballooned. When I first started playing with um, the release candidate, um, there wasn't that many. They one note came out kind of near the end of when right when the beta was ending, and they started pushing out the the real version their OneNote app came out, which pretty much solved all my problems because that's pretty much what I use uh, majorly to write my notes to do uh, whatever I do with school and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, the, you know, Netflix came out with their apps. There's a gazillion, well, not a gazillion. There's, a, there's quite a few games in there you can have. Um, so for you know your kids, um, they have a few, a few games on there to play. And um, I mean, I, I, the, the, there's stuff the everything that i need to do is there you get the skype you got the netflix you got the one note um you it already has a word processing app on uh windows to begin with so it's very limited but it it, it, it does what i needed to do so all right i'll put in my two cents about the store here um well not i haven't found too many apps that work i will come in microsoft on one thing they have it's supposed to be an accessibility rating for apps. They're supposed to say if they're accessible. Now, the problem is a lot of them say they're accessible. And then I guess it's just from what I read, it's just like a checkbox or something that if it has like a tappable control, it will say, okay, it's accessible. So that has to be worked on, I guess, hopefully. Um, I sent some emails and stuff, talked to a couple of people. So hopefully maybe that will be worked on, but at least they're trying. But I haven't found too many apps that are really useful to me if, for being blind in, in the store right now. So you're not uh, you're not big on the flashlight apps, Corey? No. no okay. <laughs> <laughs> what what about the uh, the store itself? What is that experience like with a screen reader? Um that actually isn't that's not the experience itself isn't bad. I mean like I I mean the only other only one I, other one I have to compare it to is the one on, you know, the app on the one on my Mac on the Mac. So um, the experience, like, you know, when it has categories, I can tab through the categories and everything like that. And I haven't purchased one because a lot of free apps that I've tried a couple, but the experience itself isn't bad. It's just when, when you get the app that doesn't. <laughs> so, you know, that, that sounds a lot like a used car lot. The buying experience <laughs> is great, but once you get it, not so much. <laughs> So Corey, Corey, can I ask you, um, with the the screen reader, do you find it easier to move in between apps and programs um, using the search function in Windows 8? Because that's really, I think that's probably the strongest arm of Windows 8. It's just being able to pop open search and go right to what you're looking for, 700 
dig through each of the file folders and find it. It just kind of, you search for it and there it is. How do you, how do you find that? Yeah. I mean, the search is good. I mean, per, what I usually do is I just, I use the, uh, the taskbar and create a lot of my, put a lot of my mostly used stuff right up so I can do windows key T and it will bring me right to where all my, you know, stuff I want, you know, Skype or something. I can do windows key T and then S and Skype will pop up. So I, and if, and you know, you can use the windows one through whatever that will work there as well. So you do window. If I know it's the fifth item on the taskbar, if I do windows key number five, it will pop that open. So I, I use that a lot and I still use shortcuts on the desktop or hotkeys for to launch apps, regular, you know, shortcuts like for Outlook, I do all control out open outlook or something. So, so let's talk about uh, sort of the elephant in the room. Uh, and that is that the, the touch centric nature of the os as we've said before it's it's designed to be used on a tablet um it begs to be touched in a lot of ways and yes you can make them work with a mouse uh but microsoft recommends a touch screen monitor uh and and manufacturers are, are following suit with that you know you're you're now buying uh laptops with touch screens and things like that that support windows 8 um, do you have either of you, uh, well, Corey, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to that, but, uh, uh, Robert, have you used uh, windows eight on a touchscreen desktop? Um, yeah, actually, uh, one of the first installs I did was on a, um, on a touch, uh, monitor all in one PC and, uh, it's very, very, very smooth, uh, very quick. Um, it's, you know, just being able to flick in between your start screen, just kind of scroll through your apps, um, very easy. It gets kind of cumbersome when you get to the desktop and then try to use it because um, it wants the, it wants to go back to the old style mouse and keyboard kind of centric. Um, there's, it's definitely functional with the touch, but it's definitely more better to use the mouse and keyboard with the desktop. But the apps... Um, it's, it's way cool. You, you need to close an app. You just kind of touch the top of the screen and kind of swipe down and it just closes it, um, which is very kind of natural. Um, and then, you know, you got the, the back, the stack bar on the right. So if you were to flick from the left to the right, you have the, all your open apps right there. So, um, and then we were talking earlier about having multiple apps open at the same time, multiple programs open running at the same time, you just kind of swipe that back bar and you have all your open running apps right there and you can kind of switch in between those. Um, and alternatively on the keyboard, it's the Windows tab, I believe, you can flip through each one of those, but it's much easier with the touch. Um, and uh, so, and I mean, the touch for, for me, playing around with that was uh, just really natural, really quick. Um, the little start key at the bottom left, I mean, if you just tap right in the bottom left, you know, you go back to your start home screen. So you don't have to really worry about um, having to minimize or, you know, pull around different stuff. It just kind of works on its own, if that makes sense. So what I hear you saying is uh, touch for the start screen, mouse for the desktop. Is that a fair assessment? From my experience, yes. Um you know, it just, it's just, it seems more natural in those two situations. So I, somebody running the tablet, trying to switch between the desktop and the start screen, I'm not sure how that would be. I would be interested to find out um, the different instances of how that runs. But for me, yes. So once again, we come back to that sort of multiple personality disorder that 
that Windows 8 is suffering from. It doesn't know whether it wants to be a tablet OS or or a desktop OS. Um, and, and and probably, I suspect, in the future, hardware manufacturers are going to make that decision for us. Machines are going to get more tablet-like. Um, and, and that's just kind of the way it's going to be. Uh, everything is going to move more to the hand and less to the desk. But uh, it's uh, we're in a, an interesting, uh, I don't know, transition zone. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the interface itself. The uh, Robert, you've mentioned uh, a number of times the live tiles. Uh, Windows 8, uh, the, the start screen interface, does not have a row of icons like you're familiar with from iOS or, or Android OS. Uh, or even you know uh, the Windows desktop, uh, they're they're panels, they're tiles uh, of of varying sizes. They're not all the same size, uh, and the the tiles themselves you interact with. They give you like the the mail tile when you get a message shows you the message. So you're getting the information directly from the tile without having to launch. They're not just shortcuts anymore. They're extensions of the apps, uh, and and it's it's really. From my understanding, the first truly digital interface, right? Microsoft sort of um, uh, made its money on the desktop paradigm. We even still call it the desktop, you know. And you have your file cabinets, they, you know, they call them cab files, and you have your folders. They were analogs to the physical world. Uh, th- that's called skeuomorphism when you take something physical and make a digital representation of it. Apple is big on skeuomorphic design the 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 notepad app on an ipad has a piece of paper with with a spiral binder and and the look of leather it they're trying to capture the real world experience as much as possible in a digital thing um when microsoft has issued that completely and said we're going to create something that is purely digital it's a digital interface designed to be interfaced uh, to, to be used on uh, digital things were not going to be held back by the physical world. These aren't physical representations or digital representations of physical things. And that is what, from what I hear, people find really refreshing, but also it's um, it's just very new. But, but Robert, you said it's very intuitive. So is that new um, uh, way of doing things really maybe the way we should have been doing it all along? Um, I, I mean... You got to go back to, I mean, like computers. We we've really sped through the growth of computers back from the DOS age all the way up to now. I mean, it's been so quick; it's hard to know kind of what is natural and what is not, and and it's been kind of a growing process. But I think Apple showed us, you know, with its iPhone and everything, that that it's more natural to use our fingers in the way that they showed us to be able to swipe through stuff, to be able to open up apps like that, and be all touchy. And then it kind of opened up to the rest of, you know, Google started taking that on. And I think, so yeah, I think this is the natural progression is just being able to interface with our um, devices just as if they were real, you know, objects. So an app is now um, kind of an ecosystem on its own instead of the whole bit being um, interactive. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm getting anywhere with that i'm sorry i wasn't paying attention yeah. um no it was that was fine uh magi Oberwan in the in the chat room is pointing out that uh they've done away with the arrow interface the glass is gone right so that was a big deal with windows vista 
uh, and, and, and refined in Windows 7, the glass, the transparency, the, the, the multi-level compositing, and you could, you could peek things, and you could see through things, and you get this smooth, slick interface. Um, Windows 8 is just, it, it's, it, it's reminiscent of the original Windows logo. It's now you can four still, primary you can colors. Go ahead, Robert. Oh, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was going to say that the the Aereo is not completely gone. Um, there's still aspects like the peaking and the uh, being able to look through apps. That's that's still somewhat there. But you're right, they're, they're largely gone. I think they did that because of uh, it. It cuts down on the processor use and um, RAM use. And so yeah, they. Well, they, I think basically as a company, they looked around and said. Why are we doing this? Compositing <laughs> is hard, and that you don't get any benefit from it. It's just pretty, and we can make pretty using primary color. So they've really harkened back to the days of eight-bit graphics cards in a lot of ways. It's it's large blocks of primary colors. It's very the 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 um, interface is very rudimentary, but um, elegant in its own way at the same time. Uh, Robert, I, I know that uh, you know we were kind of short on time with you tonight, so uh, it's kind of getting to that time. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to slip in before before you have to cut out on us? Um, well, okay. So the, there's uh, one thing I would I would like to mention you you because you guys seem to be more on the administrative um, uh, ne uh, big network side, and um, I I saw this is kind of interesting that that you can mount an ISO image, and this is going to be kind of jibbly juke to your, uh, you know, younger viewers, but you can mount an ISO file natively in Windows 8, um, so you can use it as if it was an installed hard drive, or you can use, I mean, sorry, the ISO will show up as like a plug-in USB drive, and there, the Windows virtual hard disk, or VHDs, will show up as a as an actual hard drive so um, you don't have to burn ISOs to disks. You can kind of open it and run the setup files from there. And I just wanted to throw that tip out to uh, you know any of the administrator types or people that are trying to um, install like Office or something like that. You don't have to burn the disk or whatever. You can just kind of throw it onto the operating system and open and run from there. So I thought that was pretty interesting. That's funny. I forgot that you can't do that because one of my go-to tools that I always put on a machine is a, an app that runs in the background and mounts makes ISOs mountable. And I just kind of assumed it was always there. But yeah, you're right. I I have to I had to put something there to make that happen. I just that was my that's my tip of the week. How about that? <laughs> so I won't, I won't be around for that. <laughs> well, uh, we know you got to go. We thank you for your time, and uh, I'm going to give you the last word before you say goodnight. What uh, what one bit of uh, wisdom or information or sarcasm would you like to leave on our audience before you say goodnight? Oh man, that's that's a lot to put on my shoulders. Um, I, I mean, I, I just I don't know. I I guess I'll take these two minutes to say you know I really appreciate you guys letting me on here and um, being able to kind of unload my knowledge a little bit um you guys do an awesome job i mean for the the likes of which of you guys putting yourselves down all the time <laughs> you guys do a great job um so i would say just keep it up and it was great meeting you Corey. uh good luck up there great meeting you too and uh thanks guys all right thanks robert i uh, appreciate having you on uh so i, I guess we'll uh, continue on any other um 
comments or, or, or bits of wisdom about uh, Windows 8? If not, we can move on to the, the whole wrap-up part of the show. Corey, anything, uh, anything um, you have to say? Yeah, I can say a couple. Um, well, one good thing for administrators that I included that auto-unattend.xml file that Mark can link to if he wants to, that will automatically install. You can go in there. They didn't change it. They didn't change things too much from Windows 7. So if you people are just wanting to install Windows by unattended, um, they kind of left most of the settings alone. So it didn't take me too long to figure that out. So that was a that was a good thing. Um, trying to think what else. Like I said before, a lot of the registry tweaks, if you had ones for Windows 7, like I have a registry tweak file that I always run after I install Windows that disables like UAC and it uh, shows all file extensions and things like that. That still works. I um, puts all my folders in list in list view. Um, so a lot of that underlying stuff seems to all still work. So that's good. A question I've had, and I've never seen it, uh, I haven't seen any video online. I haven't, of course, you wouldn't see it in the commercials, it's, and, and I don't expect you to be able to answer it, Corey. But I wonder what the logon experience is like for a Windows 8 machine in a domain. Um, you know, the, the when you're not in a domain, it goes straight to your start screen. There really isn't a logon. There's the there's the that really cool and and it is neat the the lock pattern thing where you can put a picture up there and then draw uh, circles and shapes and, and lines on the picture as your unlock pattern. They've been advertising that in the commercials. That's pretty cool. But uh, I haven't seen anybody show what it looks like when you join it to a domain. What do you, what do you get? Do you get the login box? Do you get something else? Uh, do, do, I mean, do you, do you guys know that? I mean, I still have on, like I know from this, from, I don't, and I'm answering your question directly, but when I did the unattended and read in the docs, now you can, you can either have it, you can either have your standard password, you know, log on like you had in seven, or you can have like a Microsoft log on, which I t turned off on mine. So you can have all your settings saved to Microsoft so, and all your, your like live ID, you would log in with that. Uh, not, not for the network, but for a home system. And then it's supposed to remember your settings. I have to try that sometime to see if it really works. Um, between oh, yeah, we systems. didn't even talk about that. The, the live ID integration. Sign, it's, it's, yeah, I haven't, yeah. cause I turned that off right in my unattended file. So if you're, if you're, uh, uh, if you've ever used a Chromebook or even an Android phone, uh, you, you'll be familiar with this. You log in with your Google email address and it pulls, it knows your email, it knows your calendar, it just pulls all that stuff down. And if you've been an Android user and you're moving from one phone to another, it'll even start downloading your apps for you. It just, it does all that. Well, um, Microsoft has in, in, included functionality like that in Windows 8. So if you've got a Windows Live ID, which which I do from my Xbox 360 that I created to play Halo 3, <laughs> that's that's all I've ever done with it. Um, if you've got a Live ID, it, it would really behoove you to, to invest in that ID and, and really uh, start linking things to it, your SkyDrive account and all that sort of stuff. Um, and from what I understand, that really gives you the best experience. You log in there and and your preferences and your your settings and and your email and your pictures and your calendar they they just all show up there and then as you move from one device to another um they follow you it's sort of roaming profiles finally done right after 12 years um but i do wonder what that's like in an enterprise environment i as a as an active directory manager 
that's the worst thing ever. I wouldn't want that. I don't want them logging in with their live ID. They get, they need to log in with their AD credentials. And I don't want it going out to the cloud and sucking down bandwidth every time somebody logs on. So it's again that uh, that uh, bipolar sort of thing with uh, with you're either happy or sad, and there doesn't seem to be any in between. Yeah, when the auto attend, like I said, you can. There's a whole bunch of settings that you can say. You know, you you want to turn that off because there's a. It's that whole they call it the out of box experience during the last part of setup where you, you know, on a machine where you put in like the time settings so you can turn all that off. So I just have it log in with a username and password and automatically log on. So I'm sure you can set it like that. We're gonna have to get Chuck and Jim on and find out about uh, how Fog Images Windows eight. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good one because it sounds like a lot of that. Uh, I don't know if the functionality's changed or there's just been a lot of added functionality. Uh, but uh, whether that works with fog or not, I haven't seen or heard anything about it. That maybe there's just not enough people out there actually uh, trying that yet. I don't know of anybody who's actually tried actually deploying it in an enterprise environment. Now, I think the IT geeks, there, there, there may be some guys like you who are pounding on it on their desktop, but nobody's even thought about letting the, the users have it yet. Right. <laughs> Too new. <laughs> yeah, it just came out yeah, a what, month the 26th ago. Yeah, 26th of October. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Today, right? 26th. Yeah, I think a month ago today. 26th of October. And so, yeah, the out. public beta's been out, but uh, there, there's, there were a lot of changes between the final beta and the final release. Uh, so it, it'll be it, it'll be a year before we start seeing any significant deployment in the enterprise, uh, and so you know by hopefully by then we'll have uh, more uh, expertise or or more experts that we can draw on. Uh, at least the at least drivers seem good uh, from my you know eleven or twelve machines that I've installed it on, which are you know, oh I guess the oldest machine is three years old, so I guess that's not a uh, but in my house here, but at least everything seems good as far as going to get like the latest drivers because I'm you know like to be on top of that all the Nvidia and all the real tech for the Ethernet and Intel and Nix and everything seem to be least they have all updated drivers for all that stuff, so that's good. So the guy's got 16 computers in his house, and the oldest one is three years old. Man, I'm jealous. <laughs> um, all right, well, I, I think we're going to go ahead and, and tie a bow around this and say that was our first look at Windows 8, uh, our first impressions anyway. And I'm sure, you know, this this is a major OS from a major vendor. It's going to be around for a while, whether we like it or not. Um, so we'll, we'll undoubtedly talk about it more, but, uh, I, I do think it's interesting that we've had a hard time finding, you know, with, with as public as the beta has been, and as long as it's been out there, but a hard time finding anybody who had used it at all, you know, and then we found these two guys and, and their experiences are both somewhat cursory. So, you know, it's been a fairly soft launch for Microsoft, um, they're not, you know, it's, it wouldn't be, uh, good for their corporate image to come out and say, well, this was a flop, but the, even the company has expressed some dissatisfaction over the fact that it's not flying off the shelves. They've sold not millions of units, but thousands of units, uh, in the last, uh, month since it's been out. So it's, um, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, been a, a sad trombone moment for them. Uh, but they're going to sell, like Vista, you know, everybody calls Vista a flop, but they sold, you know, 30 million copies or something like that. Uh, vendors will start putting it on their, their computers, and every new computer you buy, 
is going to have Windows 8 on it. So it's going to be a big deal. Uh, I just think it's interesting that it was sort of a, a, a non-starter out of the gate. Yeah, I think, Mark, that that is, I mean, this is uh, kind of a transition OS. I, you know, I'm not saying this will be a Vista, but it's sort of that one that starts getting everybody used to the idea. And then uh, once there's, you know, like you said, once a few years have passed and uh, everybody's got their new computers and they're used to kind of using Windows 8 and uh, maybe uh, Microsoft makes a little bit of a dent in the tablet market and people are become more and more used to using that type of interface, then maybe we get more mature OSs of this type that, uh, you know, people start migrating to. Um, you know, even in uh, the Mac OS, you know, you have that uh, sort of curved screen where you've got the different apps, you know, the most frequently used things that you use and whatnot. Um, and, you know, I've seen people, some people use it, some people don't, but it seems like we're kind of transitioning toward that. And like Robert said, with all the, you know, getting used to using touch gestures to navigate through things and, um, I, you know, it's just a, a thing that hasn't, is just barely beginning to mature and not near actual maturity. I'm going to hold off on my full rant, but I will say that I just don't believe touch and certainly not gestures. The the whole uh, um, oh, I've forgotten the name of the movie. The, the the interface that everybody a Minority Report interface right. uh, that everybody wants, where you're you're moving things around. Uh, just you can do so much with a mouse with just barely moving your finger. You know, you could go from the top right corner of the screen to the bottom left corner of the screen, but by moving a couple of muscles a few millimeters. Um, Compare that to reaching out and touching a screen and dragging something around and sliding something and and doing a big pinch and zoom. It's just a much less efficient way of doing things. And you know, I I, I want again. I'm I'm the old guy sitting on the porch saying get off my lawn. But I just I I can't see that taking off without a massive paradigm shift in the way we interact with our computers. And and I wonder if we're not shoehorning a paradigm shift in. To a technology we think is cool instead of having I, the technology adapt to our actual needs we like the technology so we're changing the way we do things to meet it yeah i totally agree with you i mean i have enough trouble moving things on my moving things on the iphone around apps and i can see on the screen every i can definitely see what you mean as far as that goes but it's i have one quick funny story take two sec two minutes so i'll tell you i have a couple of customers think they can i guess they've seen these commercials and they think they can touch they want windows 8 so i've installed it and they go oh i can't touch things on my screen i've had two people two or three people calling back oh what's with this windows 8 i gotta get a touch screen oh <laughs> you don't magically get touch screen just because you upgrade the os yep that's funny well I do have to be a slightly dissenting opinion on that. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking about that today at work, and you know, I, I think I'm like a lot of computer users. Is if you've got your computer set up on your desk, your monitor is typically going to be what, probably somewhere between two to three feet away from you, um, and that is not a great environment for reaching out. I mean, you're going to constantly have your arms like outstretched in front of you to do all of this. And that's got to be tiring at some point. So I don't see how that can possibly work. Um, but I will say that, you know, if I'm using a tablet or my phone, 
those gestures are become much closer to me and much more confined. Kind of like you said, Mark, you can do so much just by moving a mouse a little bit. And on, on these other devices, uh, they're much closer to you, and the movements, the gestures that you're making are much smaller. They're not like Tom Cruise, you know, swiping two, three feet across. And so I don't think that those big, huge swipes is what we're going to be dealing with. But um, I, I do have a uh, Intuos... Uh, graphics tablet hooked up to my computer and that has for the most part uh unless i'm doing something really intensive like working in a spreadsheet for the most part that's replaced my mouse so i get that i, I get that same functionality multi-touch um, uh, and so i can do that all by hand on the graphics tablet and i really really like that uh, so again, it, it's kind of a bridge. I'm I'm in the middle there between tablet and computer now, as far as the way that I interface with it. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know. I just the way that I've seen these devices over time uh, permeate the market, and people do seem drawn to them. I think there is something there for interfacing with these machines this way. Uh, I just am not sure that, as far as uh, a computer goes, that we've really you know, we've really nailed it yet. Right. And it's the fact that that uh, in Windows 8, it is the first way you interact with your machine. So so it comes up on your, you know, your 22-inch monitor two and a half feet away. And the first thing you have to do is reach out and touch something so that you can get to the desktop and use your mouse. You know, it's, right. it's, it's I think it's a real shoehorning in of a cool technology. You know, it's like back in the days when... Um, Nintendo came out with that 3D Game Boy thing just because 3D was cool. Nobody nobody cared if, if it actually worked or if the games were any good. They just did it because 3D was cool. And I think that's where we're now. Touch is cool, so we're going to design whole OSs around it, not really thinking about whether or not it's functional or useful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, usability. There's yeah. a that needs to be made there. I, I think it's, it's a good thing, but... Uh, as far as for the desktop computing environment, uh, something still has to change there. All right. And well, we want to know what you think, our loyal listeners and our cheating listeners, too. Uh, we want to know what you, what you think. And, and the best way you can do that is go to elementopi.com. Uh, use the Contact Us button at the top of the page, um, and that will send an email to uh, Sean and to me. Uh, or you can uh, hop in the forums there into the Tightwad Tech Forum and uh, make a post there. Or if you want to be on the show in full uh, melodious voice, you can do that by using the uh, Leave Us a Voicemail widget at the top right of the page. Uh, enter your f your phone number. Google Voice will call you, and you can leave us a voicemail, and we will uh, play it on the air. Uh, Corey, thanks for being with us. Uh, your Thank insight, you. as always, is appreciated. Would you like to tell people how they can find you and uh, maybe some services you could offer if they did? Yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter at P-O-R-T-C-O-R-E-Y, or my email is C-O-R-E-Y-T-K at gmail.com. And if you're in the uh, Syracuse area, right? No, no, no. I mean, uh, Port Jervis, uh, Orange County, New York oh, area. Orange County, New York. Okay. Uh, so if you're up in the Orange County, New York area and your computer's busted, uh, or if you want to get Windows 8 so that your monitor will turn into a touchscreen, uh, <laughs> gift Corey a, a call and he can hook you up. Yep. Thanks. Uh, and uh, Sean, any uh, last words you have to say for the night? 
No, I'm glad we uh, I'm glad we got to do this show. I hope that it uh lived up to expectations. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure. We had a lot of people asking us to do this show, and uh, hopefully they'll take into account the fact that, yes, this was just officially released a month ago. So um, I, I think, you know, we got about as much information as we can get. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think what we're still going to be missing and probably is going to be for a show, you know, maybe more like a year from now would be uh, maybe how it behaves in the enterprise environment. Maybe by then we will have had a chance to uh, have some people with that experience under their belt. And, of course, we'll be looking to get them on the show and we'll do one of those. So, uh, but I was uh, glad to get it done. And I learned a lot because I pretty much didn't know anything about it. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, what, what do you have to say, Sean? What, what are the magic words? Ah, okay. Is it that time? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm out of things to say. Thanks for listening, everybody. It was uh, a great show. All right. So uh, we appreciate that. Uh, it's been dubbed a great show. So we got to get out of here while the getting is good. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for being with us. On behalf of Corey Knapp, this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off.